Take your Bible and go with me to Luke chapter 20. Nobody likes a fake. It's extremely disappointing to bite into a chip that looks like a Dorito, only to discover it's an (laughs) off-brand. Maybe you don't like Doritos. Well, the other day I was in uh, my bedroom and I saw a $100 bill on my bed. We don't normally have that kind of money laying around. I thought, wow, this is really cool. I picked it up, opened it up, and on the other side it said, you've been pranked. <laughs> the reality is, is that fake things are hard to, uh, to deal with. But just, just like that $100 bill, sometimes people can appear fake also. Perhaps it's the, uh, the salesman at the store who appears all friendly and kind and really concerned about your needs when in reality all they want is a sale. Perhaps it's a child who's appearing all sweet and kind and submissive simply because they want you to buy them something. That's happened to all of us. People often appear to others as something that they're not. In our passage this morning, Jesus exposes that type of heart, but in a far more serious level than a salesman at a store or even a manipulative child. He reveals the problem of appearing as something that we are not when it comes to our spirituality and to our godliness. And this passage is a warning to all of us as we examine our hearts and see whether we have wrong motives for perhaps why we're here this morning, why we sang the way that we did, why we gave in the offering plate, why we participate in ministry this morning. It's a warning to all of us that we have to examine our hearts. But it doesn't leave us just with that idea of examining our hearts. It leaves us then also with the solution to that. And rather than putting on a front of something that we're not, our hearts need to change. And we need to love the Lord with a genuine heart and with a genuine and earnest love. So you come to Luke chapter 20. Luke has been leading us as readers through this this account of Jesus' life, following his path to Jerusalem. And at the end of chapter 19, Jesus has just uh, come into Jerusalem, what is commonly known as the triumphal entry. And after that, he casts out the, um, the, the, um, those that are using the temple as a place of business and, of mo- and, and, and using it in that way in mockery. And then he is, um, he is the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders all come in trying to question Jesus' authority. And they do that by a series of questions, trying to trick Jesus into saying something that will give them an opportunity to uh, demean his authority and perhaps even to arrest him. And yet, as as they ask Jesus' questions, he is able to combat those with ease and silence them. And after those questions and after he silences them, verse 45 says this, and in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples. So here he is. He has just answered the religious leaders that are around him. And so he's speaking specifically to his disciples. And yet we recognize that there are other people that are probably listening. The religious leaders that he has just addressed, other worship goers, other disciples that are, are following him. 
And he talks to his disciples and he calls out one particular group of religious leaders, the scribes. And he's going to condemn them for the religious hypocrisy that they have in their hearts. And as he calls out the, 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 the scribes, he simply says this, beware of the scribes. And I'm sure everyone, as they heard that, their ears kind of perked up because the scribes were people who were looked on with favor in the religious community. They were the ones that faithfully copied the scriptures. This practice went all the way back to the Old Testament. And we're thankful for them because it's through the scribes that we have our scriptures today as they made copies of God's word. And because they were so meticulous in their job of copying God's word, they knew the law very well. And so they were, looked at, they were looked to as people who could interpret and accurately speak God's words to his people because of how well they knew the law. So these are the last people that, that they would perhaps expect Jesus to condemn. These, these ones that appeared godly, the ones that knew the scriptures really well. And yet these are the ones that Jesus is choosing to, to point out now, obviously, this wasn't every single scribe in Jesus' time. We recognize that, though in general, the religious leaders of the day, the scribes, the Sadducees, and the Pharisees, um, in general, did not view Jesus with favorable eyes. We do know that there were people, though, who accepted Jesus and, and wanted to serve Jesus. We see that in the life of Nicodemus. But this, in general, is the way that the, the scribes um, we're seeing. It's, it's, it's the way that their hearts were. So Jesus is about to reveal that these men, these scribes, who looked so spiritual and followed God so closely, were actually not genuine in their devotion. They were fakes. And Jesus is saying, beware of them. Not as in, be scared, but beware of them of following their example. Beware of becoming like these people. Because the reality is, as we look at what Jesus is about to condemn, we see the same problem can creep into our own hearts on an individual basis. It's easy for us to look at what Jesus condemns and says, yeah, those scribes, they really had a problem. But God doesn't want us to do that with this passage this morning. He wants each of us to look at the attitudes of the scribes and ask ourselves, do I exhibit this type of attitude in my own heart and in my own life? Because it's a problem that we all face. This facade that the scribes were putting on and that we also can put on is serious because this passage tells us that the Lord condemns insincere hypocritical hearts. Here's how Jesus lays that out. Verse 46. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best synagogues and the places of honor at the seats. We see here a common problem that the scribes faced with, but that we also face, and that's simply this, that the scribes desired personal recognition. Everyone loves personal recognition. Everyone loves it when we are able to receive accommodation or uh, um, compliments from other people, where people will look at us and say, isn't that a fine person? We enjoy that. And the scribes were no different. They enjoyed that personal recognition. How did they receive that? Well, it says here, 
that they, they, they liked to walk around in long robes. Their dress gave them a certain amount of status in that society. There were lots of, of garments that religious people wore. These, these long robes were, were robes that would indicate their position. They had tassels that were around the, uh, the, the bottom of the robe. And as people would see men walking down the streets dressed this way, people would automatically know this is a religious person that is walking down the street towards me. The problem was not the robe that the scribe was wearing. The problem was the heart attitude of the scribe as they were wearing that robe. Because it says this, they like to walk around in long robes. Why did they like it? Because of the praise that they would receive from men, either verbally or just in a respectful attitude as that scribe were to walk past. They enjoyed that recognition because they appeared to be spiritual, but their hearts were far from godly. And what's amazing about this is as you look at the Old Testament and the garments that the religious people were supposed to wear, you often wonder why. Why set up such elaborate garments for the religious people? And part of the reason is that those elaborate garments were not to draw attention to the people, but to the God behind whom those, rep- those garments represented. And here the scribes are taking what is supposed to be a reflection of God and using it as praise for themselves. They wanted that recognition. But not only that, not only did they walk around these long roads, but they, they loved the greetings in the marketplaces. So as they would walk by in their long robes and people would see them and understand that a scribe was walking down the road, they were to stand up if they were seated or if they were standing, they were to, to just bow to that scribe as they were coming past and either address them as rabbi or master. And again, The problem is not the greeting that they received. It wasn't the respect that they were being given. The problem was their hearts. What does it say? It tells us very specifically that these scribes loved the greetings in the marketplaces. They loved these things because what it did is it made them feel important and it filled their hearts with pride. We all, we all understand this. We want people to see us as spiritual. Even sometimes in the way that we dress when we come to church. God wants us to honor him. And I think one way we can do that is in the way that we dress when we come to church. But, but why do you do that? Why do you come looking to church the way you do? Do you want people to see you and what you're wearing? Or is it, an, is it a desire to honor the Lord in worship Unto him. People not only saw these scribes as spiritual, but they also were, were treated as spiritual. The text goes on to say that um, they loved not only the greens in the marketplaces, but they loved the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. So not only were they acknowledged as spiritual as they were walking down the street, but they were actually treated as spiritual. When they went to the synagogue, 
there was a seat that they sat at that was the, the, the seat of honor, the chief seat within that synagogue. Usually it was up at front, up in the front, near where the scrolls were. But this seat also faced the congregation. So here the scribes come, they walk in, and they sit in that place of honor, and they love that seat. Why? They love it because everyone can see them. And it's a seat of honor. It's a seat of those who are servants of the Lord. It's a seat for someone who is supposed to be godly. And they have that seat in the synagogue for all people to see. In in addition to that, they are also um, given the places of honor at feasts. You remember the disciples, or or, um, uh, the mother of the disciples, came to Jesus and said, hey, in your kingdom, can, can my son sit one on the right and one on the left? In our society, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but in that society, those are two places of honor. And these scribes, when they would go to these social gatherings and to these feasts, that's where they would sit. They would sit in these places of, um, of honor. They were given seats of prominence because of their perceived spirituality. And again, it wasn't the fact that they were seated in these places of honor that was the problem. The problem was their heart, which no one could see. On the outside, it looks like they're truly serving the Lord. It looks like they truly love the Lord. It looks like they're truly a godly person. But yet Jesus knows the hearts of these individuals. He sees that behind that facade of godliness and of spirituality is wickedness and corruption. One who is seeking simply that honor for themselves. We can see this in our own hearts. We want us to treat, we want people to treat us in a certain way when we are here at church. And so what we do, we try to appear as someone who is godly. We try to appear as someone who is spiritual, perhaps in the way that we dress or in the way that we talk or in the way that we act. And on the outside, you look like a model church member. You look like somebody who really loves the Lord. And yet, if we were to see your heart, it would reveal that rather than being godly, you were full of pride and corruption, simply wanting the praise and the appeal of men. And just like these scribes could fool everybody else on the outside— and yet not, and people would not know their inward hearts. So it is with us as we are here. We can appear godly, but the Lord knows our hearts. All of this reveals that we really, if we act in this way in the ways the scribes did, it reveals that we really don't love the Lord. It reveals that we simply love ourselves. Rather than devoting ourselves to the Lord— and his glory, we're devoting ourselves to our own self-righteousness and our own self-upliftment in the eyes of other people. Jesus knows what is going on, and what looks like outward godliness is really inward corruption. Jesus goes on in this passage to continue to condemn these Pharisees, and he's going to reveal the true heart motivations behind what the scribes do. 
We see this in verse 47. He says this, These scribes devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Now the widows in the society in which the scribes and Jesus lived, they were the ones who were the most destitute. They did not have any stability in their lives because they didn't have um, a man who could provide the economic stability and the physical protection. And so when a woman became a widow, it put them in a great difficult position. They had to somehow provide for themselves. They had to somehow protect for themselves. And so they were, they were very vulnerable. And the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, that these scribes would devour the widows. What does that mean? Well, first of all, that word devour doesn't simply mean to, to pick something up and, and to take a bite out of a sandwich, right? It doesn't mean that. It means to, to gulp down in such a way that there is absolutely nothing left. And this really reveals the ruthlessness with which the scribes approached these widows. They desired to take everything that the widows had, to consume it and leaving nothing for these widows. Now, how could this take place? How is it that these scribes were able to devour the widows' houses? Well, because of the scribes and the fact that they knew the law so well, the, uh, the book of Luke, uh, the author, often refers to them as lawyers in, uh, in the text of Luke. Because people would come to them asking questions about uh, these types of things. What should we do in this situation? What does the law say? What, is, what, is, what does the scripture say? And so the the scribes were able to give um, rulings in situations like that. So because of that, these scribes were able to manipulate these widows and take for themselves what they they wanted. Could have happened that way. It could have been just the undue pressure that the scribes would place on the widows with their income, what little it was, or their possessions— and manipulate them into into the widow giving the scribes, because of their position, what the widow possessed. But regardless of the way that the scribes did it, Jesus is revealing that behind the heart, or behind the facade of godliness that the scribes are exhibiting on the outside, they were very selfish in their motivations. They did not care about being godly. They only uh, cared about their own pocketbook, and taking what these widows had. And Jesus knows their motivations. It's easy to see this in our society today. There are many religious preachers out there who pretend to be preachers of God's word, And yet often what they are doing is simply manipulating the vulnerable out there to gain for themselves what they want materially. And it's sad to see when you hear about this or you read about people who give so much of their income or so much of what they have to these preachers, not out of, uh, and and they think they're doing the right thing, but they're simply being manipulated by someone who's using their position and their power to gain for themselves what they have. Now, that heart attitude can also be revealed in us. 
we can put on a sense of godliness, a sense of righteousness, a sense of holiness before others to manipulate relationships or to manipulate people even thinking of us as better than we are and perhaps they come to us because they, they want our advice, our opinion based on something. And we're feeding that prideful, uh, that prideful heart by doing that. But in addition to not only devouring the widows' houses, these people, these scribes also um, were a facade in the way that they prayed. Verse 47, in the second part of that first half, and for a pretense, they make long prayers. We'll talk about this, but perhaps your mind is already going, this is pretty simple for us to do also. You come on a Wednesday and you pray in your group, what's your heart attitude as you pray? Are you trying to think of clever phrases to use? Or are you trying to pray long so that the others that are listening to you will say, wow, they're pretty spiritual. It's so easy for us to fall into that temptation as we pray publicly, and the scribes were no different. For a pretense, they make long prayers. Here they are in the synagogue or perhaps on the street, and they stop to pray. And people that are walking by see that. And they go do their thing at the store, and they come back, and the this, this scribe is still praying. And they say to themselves, wow, look at the scribe. This is a godly man. He's been praying for a long time. What in the world is he praying about? I don't know, but he must be super spiritual. Perhaps they hear these long prayers that the scribes are giving. But Jesus says, it's all fake. It's all a pretense. It's pretend. It's not real. And just like as we think about the the way that they used the garments that they wore that were to point people to God, but instead the scribes would use those to point people, uh, people to themselves, in the same way, Here we have the scribes using prayer, something that shows great devotion and great honor for the Lord, and they're using it to simply receive accolades for themselves. The scribes were were putting on this outward spirituality when inside they were corrupt. We could say to ourselves, okay, people do that. What's the problem? Jesus closes this this description of the Pharisees with this phrase. They will receive the greater condemnation. Being something that you're not can seem to be innocent. No one knows There's going to be no consequences as long as I can keep up this facade. But the problem is the the, the person that really matters knows. The people around you, in the end, it doesn't matter what they think because the person that really knows, the Lord himself, sees your heart. And the Lord saw the hearts of these scribes and he says this, they will receive the greater 
condemnation. It is a warning to us. The Lord knows the true hearts of the individuals. They were in a a position of spiritual authority before others. And because of that spiritual authority, Jesus says, they have led people astray, they have mocked his name, and they will receive the greater condemnation. It is a sobering warning to all of us as we sit here in church to examine our own hearts and to ask ourselves, is my heart genuine towards the Lord? Do I truly love God? Or am I here simply because of, the, of, because of how I want people to look at me and of how I want people to think of me? And what Jesus does next is he looks up and he makes a contrast between these scribes and someone whose heart is truly devoted to the Lord. In verse 47, he talks about widows. And then chapter 21 opens up with another widow. And that kind of gives us a key that, that this is a, a hinge that that word is a hinge for us to make the connection that this incident that takes place next is connected to what Jesus has said. And what this next incident teaches us is that while the Lord condemns a hypocritical and uh, a hypocritical heart, the Lord desires true, heartfelt devotion to himself. Jesus looked up. And he saw the rich putting in their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. We could say to ourselves this. Well, um, I don't want to have an insincere heart. um, But I truly love the Lord with my heart. But I don't think church is that important. I don't think obedience to the Lord is that important. I don't think reading my Bible is that important. I don't think that living a holy, righteous life is really that important. And this next incident helps us to realize that it is is also the external obedience that also uh, manifests itself along with a devoted heart. And so Jesus desires that that we—he wants a devoted heart internally, but we also must obey him outwardly. Now, it'd be interesting to, to, to think about as we think about this first verse, as Jesus looks up, what is it that draws his attention to the giving of these two individuals, the rich and of this poor widow woman? What is it that catches his eye? But what he sees is he sees the giving of the people in the temple. And this, this woman is in the, the, what they call the court of the, court of the women. There was the court of the Gentiles, which was the outermost area, and Gentiles could go no no further. Other people could be there, men and women um, that were Jews, but the Gentiles could go no further. Then, in addition to that, uh, or or past that, there was the court of the women. And uh, the Gentiles couldn't go there, but both men and women could, could be in that area. Then beyond that was the court of the men, and then even beyond that was the place where the priests would be making their sacrifices. In the court of the women, there were um, these, these places, these receptacles for people to come and give towards the temple. 
There were 13 of them, and they were kind of shaped like a, a trumpet or a shofar, if you can picture that in your mind. And, and people would come by, and they would take their gifts, and they would put them in these receptacles, and sometimes it would be announced what these gifts were to be used for. So Jesus looks up, and he sees the, the rich and this poor widow giving, thing, uh, giving money into these, um, into these offering boxes. Now, Jesus here is, is just stating the fact that both the rich and the poor um, were, were, were giving. And so it's not that the rich here were, were doing anything bad or even had ill motives. Jesus simply is stating the fact. The rich were giving their gifts and the poor were giving their gifts. These people were following the Lord outwardly. But he focuses in on this particular widow. And like we said before, widows were the most destitute in that society. It was difficult for them to provide for themselves. It was difficult to protect themselves. And as he looks up, he sees this widow putting something into the offering box. And this reminds us that Jesus, not only does he know the hearts of every individual, but he also sees everything that we do. He saw the widow woman. He saw the rich man. He sees everything that we do. People on the outside can only see the outside. People here can only see you from the outside. But the Lord sees the heart and he sees the actions that we have. And here's what she does. This poor widow put in two small copper coins. I find it interesting that Jesus didn't say a widow, that just using that word would automatically let us know that this is a person that was probably in need. But this widow perhaps had been taken advantage of by a scribe. And she was a poor widow. She had nothing. And yet she steps up to that offering box and places in these two small copper coins. What was that worth? Well, in today's value... Um, based on what those copper coins were worth, it was probably $2. Hardly enough to pay the salary of a priest. Hardly enough to pay for any oil that might be used within the temple. Hardly enough for really anything in the temple, but she gives that, that, um, what she has. Jesus sees this. His disciples see this. And Jesus makes this statement. And he said, Truly I tell you, this widow has put in more than all of them. And I'm sure his listeners were like, What? Did Jesus just see what that woman put in? How do we know how much that woman put in? Well, Jesus, through his omniscience, knew but I imagine that as people gave into these receptacles and put their coins in, that it made noise. They didn't have paper money back then. They used coins. And so as the, the rich people come in and give their coins, you can hear the clatter of those coins as it went in. And perhaps when the widow came up, it barely made any noise, just a little dink as it went in. But Jesus sees that and these he says, this widow woman has put in more than all of these individuals, than, than, than this rich person. 
And he says that, and he prefaces that statement with this, truly, I say to you. He's saying to his disciples, listen up, pay attention. What I'm about to say may not make sense humanly, but it is a true and trustworthy statement. I say to you, this widow has put in more than all of them. The religious leaders, the temple people would have rather had the large gift of the rich. But Jesus is making a point. Even though this widow woman put in an insignificant amount, humanly speaking, it was more than what the rich people put in. Why? Because all the rich people contributed out of their abundance. But this poor widow, out of her poverty, she put all, <coughs> excuse me, all that she had to live on. You see, the Lord is not impressed with a gift. We are. We look at somebody who gives a lot of money and we say, wow. We look at someone who gives a lot of time in the church service and we say, wow. But Jesus is not impressed with the size of the gift. Rather, he sees the heart behind the gift. He's not impressed with the scribes and the fact that they appear religious and give the pretense of being um, holy. He's not impressed with the long prayers that the scribes are giving because he can see the heart behind that outward manifestation. But Jesus is, 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 is impressed. He, what he wants to see is the heart. Someone can give a very large amount and the Lord can be honored from that large gift because the individual's heart is, is, is uh, inclined towards honoring God. Someone can give insignificantly and not honor the Lord because they're doing it begrudgingly or perhaps even to be seen by others. God wants our hearts. He sees our hearts. He sees and he knows. This widow woman was poor, and yet this, this, um, this, this poverty that she had did not stop her from giving. She could have just given one of those two copper coins, but instead, she gave both of them. Why is that? Even though the text does not explicitly say the heart motivation behind the widow woman, I think we can imply from the comparison that Jesus is making and from his denunciation of the scribes, the problem was their heart attitude and the reason why this widow woman is, is held up before the, by the Lord as an example is because of her heart attitude. One commentator put it this way, the Lord does not count, he weighs. He doesn't count the dollars that we put in the offering plate. He weighs our hearts. Where is our heart in service to the Lord? If we're honest with ourselves, each of us can see areas perhaps where we are allowing pride 
and selfishness to creep up. And we do things for pretense. We do things so that other people can see us. When in reality, our hearts are far from the Lord. Now, we can't conclude these incidents by simply saying this. Don't be like the scribes. Be like the widow woman. We don't simply want to leave it there. We need to be transformed. Our hearts need to be changed. How does that happen? It happens by God doing a work in our hearts. What is the book of Luke presenting? The book of Luke is all about the life and ministry and mission of Jesus. And in just a few chapters, Jesus is about to accomplish what he came to do, namely, becoming a sacrifice for all of mankind, paying the price for sin so that man can have a relationship with God. And it is because of that relationship that we have with God that our hearts even have the possibility of being transformed. Without Jesus, there is no transformation. So what is it that should drive us to have a desire to genuinely love the Lord with our hearts? It's a recognition of what Jesus has done for us. The transformative work that he did in our hearts in saving us from our sin and then continuing to look to him to continue to transform our hearts so that we will love him more and more and more. It is by God's grace that this can take place. The example of the, of the, of the scribes in this passage is a warning for each of us to examine our hearts and ask ourselves, are we simply living our lives for the pleasure of our own pride and for the spiritual accolades we can get from others? Or are we living our lives in genuine, heartfelt love for the Lord? Let's pray. Fathers, we have looked at your word this morning. Our hearts have been exposed. It is easy for us in various aspects of our lives to seek the applaud of men rather than having a heartfelt devotion towards you. And I pray that you would use this passage in each of our hearts to transform us so that we would love you with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, and with all of our strength. We're thankful that you will help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.